Oh, that was good. And there's more to come. Uh, my name's Terry, Terry Bone. Um, some of you, how many were here the last time I was here on a Sunday? So I don't repeat myself too much. Okay. Most of you know that. Uh, I am uh, serving you as your transition pastor. And what that means is uh, I'm called to walk with the leadership team and to make sure uh, Sundays are as great as they've ever been and that we steward the presence of God and bring the Word of God. I believe, I believe that we can be a Word and Spirit church and that we ought to be strong in both. And uh, that will be our goal. And uh, Sundays are going to be great days in these next few months. Uh, I will be here, Lord willing, for several months uh, unless uh, there is a, um, unless the search goes in a shorter period than we anticipate. You never know what God's going to do. There's a lot of suddenlies in the Bible. There's a lot of surprises in our life. But uh, I in, intend to be here for several months. And I'm not involved in the search. And just to make it clear, I am not a candidate for a pastor. So I'm here not for a long time, but for a good time, <laughs> spiritually speaking. <laughs> so let's enjoy the Lord's presence together, and let's just take this as the gift it is. Uh, there are so many connections I've discovered with the church family. Uh, last Wednesday, there was two. This morning, another one. People keep coming up to me and say, do you know so-and-so? This is my friend. This is my cousin. This is person I grew up with. And uh, uh, I have lots of connections because I grew up in Toronto. My parents grew up in Toronto. Their parents came to Toronto on my mother's side. My great-grandfather immigrated to Canada from that far-off strange land called England. And uh, at the time, it was a several-week journey to get over here. And so we're all immigrants, <laughs> just about every one of us. If you go back two or three generations, my wife's family immigrated here from that a little colony called the USA and uh, back in the 60s and she's now a Canadian citizen and uh, I grew up in Toronto uh, on the West End most of the time in Etobicoke in a place called Rexdale and uh, yeah Albion in Islington right there and uh, grew up there went to a united church as I said didn't know what who God is and and then there was this amazing thing called the charismatic movement Jesus people movement happened to be occurring in a Lutheran church just up the road on Islington near Finch and my current wife was part of that and that's where I met her and how we got married and there's so much more to that story but here we are but I remember days driving around Cooksville and Port Credit came Mississauga and we they were building this big mall in the middle of farmers fields called square one and what are they doing going that far out into the fields to build a mall nobody will go that far <laughs> this is called being old and uh, so this is my stomping grounds and uh, um, we're very familiar with uh, what God has done and um, glad to be back it's a back-to-the-future moment for me. And even the pews and the chandeliers are identical to Grimsby Pentecostal Church when we moved there in the 90s. And so Josh and I, Pastor Josh and I, did th this week something. I don't know if you can see it back there. We took out the front pews. Well, he did. I asked him to, and he did it. But you know why? Because I'm expecting we're going to be spending some time up here, not just there. Okay, you, you're never going to feel pressured, but I think you're going to feel drawn by the Holy Spirit. Because here at the altar, during worship, after the message typically, is where we do some real business with God. Where life-changing moments happen. Where we have breakthroughs. And then if we're disciplined with our follow-through, our life has changed. Well, I'm going to get preaching in a moment, but first I want you to meet Melissa, my wife. So come on up, hon, and uh, say a few things that are on your heart. Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm Terry's current wife. I'm actually his only wife. 
don't know where that came from. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were high school sweethearts, so, you know, we go way back. <laughs> but we got married in a church, um, Abundant Life Assembly in Rexdale, so, or Dick's, Tobacco. yeah, Tobacco. Uh, so we are kind of from that area. Uh, but God moved us um, back, uh, to Streetsville after we got married, and we had our family there. We have three grown children, eight grandchildren. And um, when we were in Streetsville, we went to Mississauga Gospel Temple, and I, now Portico. And I remember that we prayed for a new work called Logos, on Dixie Road, and I remember driving by it, and I remember all the trees. There were trees lined up and down, and then this church was tucked in the trees. I'm like, wow. And when, to, when we pulled in here this morning, I'm like, that's this place. There's no trees anymore up and down Dixie. <laughs> so a lot has changed, but God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever, so we can always you know that we're safe in his arms eh hallelujah i will be here from time to time you i will be a visitor here maybe like our friend from pickering we come from grimsby uh so i'm quite involved in our home church lake mount worship center and also uh we have kids and grandkids far away so i'm often visiting them so i'm just going to be uh, here from time to time, but I'm praying for Terry on Sundays, and you have a good preacher ahead of you. God bless you. Thank you. And my wife failed to say she's also ordained with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, it's time to get into the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So we can put up the first slide there. And uh, follow along. Do I have to look behind to see it, or is there a monitor? Where will I look? Hmm? So I'll just kind of look over my shoulder here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Talk about time. Uh, how long is 58 hours? Trick question. Yeah. Yeah. Two days, Teddy. Okay, see, that's not what I'm after. How long does it feel? So if you're on a Caribbean vacation in January and you live in Mississauga, 58 hours is a short amount of time. It's just too short. It goes by. Now, on the other hand, if you're trying to get to a Caribbean vacation and you're stuck in the Toronto airport because of a snowstorm for 58 hours then 58 hours is a long time. See what I mean? Time, time bends, shrinks, and expands based upon our situation, it seems. In fact, there was a time when 58 hours seemed like three months. And let me tell you about it. Some of you are old enough here to remember this. October 14th, 1987. Maybe you remember what you were doing that day. Maybe not. But anyone who lives in Midland, Texas, remembers. And a little girl who became quickly known as Baby Jessica fell down a little 10-inch well, 10 inches across. It was a tube well in the backyard that had the cap off. And she fell down and got stuck 22 feet down. And so quickly the neighbors came. Workers arrived. Family gathered. And every hour seemed like a day. By the next day, the national news had gathered. We can go to the next slide there, please. Um, yes. And the, the town news uh, casters, it was being broadcast. In fact, it was the first time any news event was broadcast live on cable TV. Rather than just tuning in at 6 and finding out what happened, this was hour by hour. And millions of people in several countries watched and waited and within a few hours uh, everyone was watching and waiting and finally Jessica 
was dug out of the well. They had to actually dig another well beside it, dig a hole that was wide enough for a person to go down and dig across through rock, had to bring in some of the latest and greatest earth-boring equipment, fly it in. But that 58 hours, and it's actually a CNN uh, short film you could probably find on one of the platforms out there, but that 58 hours dragged on for eternity. Mums, imagine if you could hear your baby crying, but you couldn't get there, and you're just waiting and waiting to find out. There are times in our life when time just drags on, and there are, we don't usually go through those kind of uh, extraordinary circumstances, but let's bring this back to our life a little and think about it. Waiting for the news about someone can feel like a long time. Feeling unsettled for an unknown future. Waiting upon a doctor's report. with Will it be good news or bad news? Waiting for a job interview or the response to that interview. When are they ever going to email or call? We keep checking and checking and checking. Waiting for a certain person to finally make up their mind about their intentions on our relationship. <laughs> How many years until they pop the question or whatever it would be. It's dragging on. Waiting for God to provide while you just keep wondering which bill will I not pay this month because I'm juggling the phone calls. Waiting to be healed when it's been so long and you don't have the evidence for long-standing prayer even though you've prayed in faith, even though there's been prophetic words, even though others have said they're sure it's going to happen, and someone might have even given you a date, and we're still waiting and waiting. This waiting thing is something I'm really lousy at, and my wife should say, amen. <laughs> when we get in a line, any kind of line, when we're driving to see our grandchildren who live in the U.S., and we hit the border at the wrong time. Oh, my goodness. I am not good in the car waiting to cross the border. No, 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 no. Because waiting is not something that comes natural to most of us, and I've had to learn that. I've had to learn that life is something that happens while we're planning something else. And sometimes things occur that put us back into limbo when we're not sure. Oh, I thought I had this all planned out, and by then, there, and by this, that, now I've been thrown a curveball. I'm not sure what's going to happen now. What do I do with that? And then we enter this zone where God, we can see God afresh, or we can sink deeper into unbelief. And God allows these times in our life, and we must learn how to handle them. Because they can become the times of our greatest growth. When those things happen that we weren't planning, when we're stuck one more time in waiting, or we're, we're pushed into a zone where we can't control the outcome, that's the time where God has us right where he wants us for that moment. And I want to be completely honest, I never like it. You can look back and say, God works all things together for good. It's never enjoyable in the moment. And I don't like being out of control. But I am learning to be at peace with surrender. And that has changed my life. Well, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah this morning. And we're going to just camp out there. And every reference I'm going to give you just about will be from that book. So let's go to the next slide there. And this is our overarching banner for this morning's message. Isaiah 64, 1-4. It's not our text for the message, but it's the banner over the message. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. One version says, he works for those who wait for him. Can I say that again? God works for those who wait for him. To learn that while we wait, God is at work. While we wait, God's working. Ever come across an unexpected uh, construction zone? Maybe on a two-lane road? You're waiting and waiting. 
but the people at the front are frantically working, trying to back up that earth mover and get this down and get the lane clear. It feels like nothing's happening, but really at the, at the point of construction, they are working solidly with a goal in mind. <clears throat> I often think of that when I'm waiting for an answer of prayer. God's got his angels scurrying around. They're doing this, they're doing that. I just have to sit there and listen to my wife's advice. Be, it pa be patient. It'll all work out. God works while we wait. Turn to somebody. If you're with somebody you know, turn to them and say, you know what? God works while you wait. Tell them that, okay? So they get that straight today. I love the uh, book of Isaiah. It's been called the gospel of Isaiah. There is no other prophetic literature in the Old Testament. He was a prophet 700 years before Christ, approximately, if you want to keep that number in your mind. Uh, s s many generations after King David and Solomon, maybe, maybe 250 to 300 years. So he's in that middle period where the stories of King David are just stories that we've never seen. The promises of a Messiah are just somewhere out there. We're in that murky middle where we believe that God is alive, but we're not part of this great generation of awesome things happening. And not only that, <coughs> Isaiah had grown up under one king. His name was Uzziah. Uzziah. And, uh, but I, Isaiah, in the midst of all that, he, he lays down these prophetic words like Isaiah 53, which is called the suffering servant. We quote from that all the time. It's describing Jesus. You know, that he, though he was, you know, he did not answer his accusers. And it describes his suffering so beautifully. And I, and I think if, if Isaiah could be so confident in what he was writing when he had no evidence and he couldn't see anything, now that we look at the book of Isaiah and, and half of it's already fulfilled, we should be able to be confident in the rest of it, right? We have a lot more reason to believe it when we see the exquisite, perfect, fit answers to some of the prophetic words. So when I share these words of what happened to Isaiah... I'm asking that you kind of put yourself into that story. And let's look at that and think, what was happening to this man? So we're going to go to Isaiah 6. And we can go to the next slide there. The setting. Okay. Uh, Isaiah, according to some scholars, was a cousin of Uzziah. And if you go through uh, Uzziah's father, which I think was Amaziah... And uh, the tradition of Isaiah's family line, it looks like they may have even been first cousins or something close or first cousins once removed. I'm not exactly sure, but they were close. Uzziah came to the throne when he was 16 and he reigned for 52 years. Now, if you know the Old Testament kings, that's a long time. It's almost a record. And he was considered a good king for the first four decades. But Isaiah had only known life under this benevolent king. Maybe it's like growing up in England under Queen Elizabeth, who just died, but she was crowned before I was born, if you can imagine. Anyone in that country didn't know any other leader, many prime ministers, of course, but one queen. And Isaiah was like that. He only knew a time of relative peace and prosperity under Uzziah. And then things started to go wrong. Uzziah started to get proud and started to lose his, his, uh, his focus, kind of lost the plot, if you will. And then he got sick and he dies. And that's the setting to which Isaiah comes into as a young man who's going through this for the first time, the loss of a beloved leader. The loss of someone important in his life. Who hadn't always been perfect and was starting to act a little strange. But still it was a loss that he wasn't ready for. So I'm going to read these first eight verses. I'm going to read them out of the New International Version. That's the one I like to read in public because it's the easiest to understand. Especially if English is your second language. But stay with me here. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord. Seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth. It's full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. I don't want to get into the details of, of who and why and how and the response of the people to whom Isaiah was called. I don't want to fill our heads with that this morning. I just want to stop at the point where he got his new call. And then we want to dig down a little deeper on the first few verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Point number one. We have that up there. We can leave these slides up for uh, us there now. Uh, Next slide. Yeah. What's next when trusted leaders are removed from our life? There it is. That's it. You had it. Next slide. Yeah. A refreshed vision of the Lord himself. There's some things that have to be taken or shaken in our lives before we can really see God. You know, uh, when my wife and I were, before we were married, we went to this Jesus People group. There was a leader, his name was Bart, and uh, we idolized him. He had had a dramatic conversion experience, started a prayer meeting in his uh, basement of his house there, uh, very near Albion and Islington, and just began to pray for people. And six people were in the prayer meeting, and they put up a, a chalkboard, I think, at that time. I don't even think we had whiteboards. Put up a chalkboard, put people's name or a piece of paper. And one evening, one of them walked into the room and crossed the name off and got saved. And then they started seeing miracles. We'd go out at, during the times where there was something called the Rexdale Gang, and in the neighborhood... And out of the late 50s, early 60s, and this was around 68, 69, and they would just go out and stop guys, you know, that were on their motorcycles or in the park and say, hey, have you heard the good news of Jesus? And he always told me there was one time he came up to a group like that, and they just looked at him and said, keep moving. (laughs) I said, what did you do? He said, I kept moving. But he was bold, and they would witness to anyone, and within two years there were hundreds of people coming to the meeting and they had to use this Lutheran church on a Saturday night. And that's how I found out about it. I heard, you know, in our our days of trying to be hippie wannabes, I was walking down Albion Road one day and my friend says, hey man, there's a hundred chicks going to church over there every Saturday night. I said, hey man, you got to be kidding. He says, no man, it's true. I said, hey man, let's check it out. We were cool. That's when I had to do this to get the hair out of my eyes. Now, that takes faith to believe that, doesn't it? And so I went to church on a Saturday. I said, what are all these teenagers doing here without their parents? Why would they come to church? But we we saw over 2,000 people come to Jesus. They were named and counted and recorded in the Book of Life. 
But then the leader got cancer. And we were all sure he's going to survive and pray. And he didn't. He didn't even make 40 years old. So we're a bunch of young people. And we've not really known the Christian life, at least I hadn't, with any other leader. And when someone like that is taken from your life, uh, it's, a, it's a time to see Jesus. It's a time to say, who am I following anyways? And I love the fact that Isaiah says, my eyes have seen the king, in verse 5, because the king had been removed. And, I, and Uzziah had to be moved aside, in this case through death, not always through death, of course, but that benevolent leader had to be moved aside for Isaiah to get a fresh revelation. I, th- I just think that that's something for us now, not just because we're in a pastoral transition, but I'm sure that we could, if we could take the microphone through this room here today, we'll probably come up with 20 different testimonies, 30 different testimonies of being in a time of transition, something that you thought would be true in 2024, it just isn't there. And uh, what are we going to do now? It's a time to sink into unbelief or it's a time to see Jesus like he really is. And I'm praying today, this starts now, if it hasn't already in your life, a fresh view of who he is to you. We know who he is in here, but who is he to you? I like to ask people that. How have you experienced the Lord? Who is he to you? I'll tell you right now, he's the keeper of my soul. When we sing that song, the goodness of God, I can't even talk about it. He has kept me through, through so much and brought me into his kingdom and given me people in my life that are, that are just fantastic. Give me the opportunity to be places like this two weeks I'll be in Nepal and then Bangladesh and helping a church planter in Dubai. And I'll be back when it's a mission trip uh, planned. I get to go so many places and see what God's doing in so many countries and nations and people groups. He's, he's a good God. He's kept my children. And if you're praying for children that are, that are falling away from the Lord, just make Make it clear right now. Refuse to raise a child for the devil and just take it to Jesus and settle it and settle it. See Jesus in the midst of this. Maybe you've lost a loved one in the last year or two and nobody can replace that in your life. No one. But Jesus can be seen afresh and he can give you beauty for ashes, comfort for the place of mourning. He can give you a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. It's time for a trade. It's time for a trade. And he, he's willing. He, we, we can't get back whatever. Ashes are something that's burned. You, you can't rebuild ashes. Can't. It's gone. But you can get beauty in its place. And the Lord's willing to do that. So Isaiah... He was going through a lot of feelings. We don't know what they are. We can only conjecture. But, uh, you know, Uzziah didn't, didn't end well. And he got proud. And so Isaiah was probably disappointed in the failings of leaders around him. Anybody ever been disappointed when you hear the news about some leader in public that we thought was a great Christian leader, and the next thing you know, we hear some news. I think we've all heard that. That's the time to press in and see the Lord for who he is. Amen. Next, what happened to him? It says that in verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, remember, what he's seen is he's seen angels in the presence of God. He's seen... He's seen a view of God in the throne room, which Paul would call the third heaven. He's been right up there, past the spiritual darkness where, where the war is going on you know, from Ephesians 6. He's right up there in the throne room. And the sounds and the sights are incredible. And what does he do? Did he come back down and say, I saw the Lord 
Come to me, I saw the Lord. And I have a new preaching series, and you can buy it for $199, called I Saw the Lord. And if you listen to my preaching series, you can see the Lord too. Don't trust that. A true vision of God is going to give you a better vision of yourself. And usually, it shows you how weak and frail you are in His sight. Okay, let's go to the second point there. So, number two that happened there. Excuse me a second. Number two is when we see God for who He is, we're much more likely to see ourselves for who we are. Yeah, when someone boasts of spiritual experiences, Apostle Paul talks about them and says, you know, they talk about they saw angels and this. He says, they've lost connection with the head who is Christ. So when people get into this thing about the details of, of prophetic things and they saw this and they went to heaven and back and this happened and that happened, I'm not saying it, it can happen, but I'm just saying test the fruit. Did it turn this person into some spiritual know-it-all? That it might be deception. What happened to Isaiah? Oh, now I've seen your holiness. Oh, oh, oh. Now this is conjecture, but we do know the first response he said was, I'm a man of unclean lips. Why? Probably because if you read the Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 26 about King Uzziah, he was, he was losing it getting proud and not doing the right things. Probably there was a lot of talk going around about him. Man, did you hear that? Did you see that? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Isaiah immediately knew that he had been, had too loose a tongue and he had been critical and he had been saying things that sounded reasonable when you're just looking at what's going on. But when you see the Lord when you're in his presence, experiencing him like never before, you don't want to talk that way. You want to use your tongue for what it was made for, to praise the Lord, to extol him, and to speak blessing to others. I think preaching against sin can be useful, but I think an encounter with the true holy God might take care of a lot of that stuff. And it sure did for Isaiah. He cried out. Job was considered the most righteous person on the earth in his time. But when he saw God, he said, I've heard of you, now I've seen you. I repent of myself in dust and ashes. I was reading that recently and I thought, wow, this guy was a good dude. He wasn't in sin, he wasn't backsliding. But when he saw God with, with grace and power... He just like, oh, who am I? But not in the sense of broken down or, oh, I'm no good or I can't stand in the presence. Isaiah didn't run away from the presence. He confessed his weakness to the presence. So no matter what kind of revelation we have of our weakness and our failings, if it's God, it's not going to cause us to separate. It's going to cause us to just fall at his feet and hold on to him. Because he's the kindest one you'll ever meet. He's holy. But all holiness is mirrored holiness. Any holiness in your living, in your life, in your prayer, is that which has reflected what you've seen and experienced. Otherwise, it's just you being religious. Our holiness is mirrored holiness. And we can reflect the very light of God but you have to be in his presence to reflect him. Does that make sense? It's not rocket science. And so his weakness, his sin, his failing, he just confesses it to the presence. And what happens? Out of the presence comes the healing. Now the angel takes a live coal. And I think that coal was hot. What do you think? The angel used tongs. Was he just being polite because of COVID and he didn't want to touch it? No, he used tongs. And what does he do? He touches his lips 
Ever burned your lips? Ever gone to Starbucks and they gave you black instead of with cream? And normally you just drink it, then, oh, that hurt. Anybody done that? Okay, I have. I mean, hot coffee's bad on the lips, let alone a coal from from the fire of God's presence. And so, can I say it this way? It's a fabulous picture here. Sometimes, when God exposes some area in our life that needs to change, it hurts for a moment. My mom always said, the truth hurts, but that's all she said. You know, my parents had these one-liners, but they, they never explained them. Dad, I've never had a girlfriend. What do I do? Well, Terry, women, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. What's my third option, Dad? He never answered. So I got these one-liners from my parents without any explanation. And my mother used to say, truth hurts. Truth hurts. I'm like, so what do I do with that? Do I live without truth or what's the deal? Sometimes the truth does hurt. But the wonderful thing, and I want you to lock this in, and if you're a note taker, now's the moment. What God reveals, he heals. Say it with me. What God reveals, he heals. And if you can take a moment where you go, ooh, that smarts. You know, like if the doctor has to stitch you up and there's no anesthetic. It hurts, but it heals. What God does sometimes hurts. But it always heals. And I love that picture. I think it was there in Isaiah's life for all of us for all time. What God reveals, he heals. Say it with me one more time. What God reveals, he heals. The shortest route to self-awareness is a revelation of God as he really is. I just saved you three appointments with a psychiatrist. I believe in counseling. But the shortest route to self-awareness can be seeing God as he truly is. But it's what we do with it. It's what we do with that awareness. Do we defend? Do we deny? Do we justify? Do we get back into ourselves, Or do we just say, yes, Lord, you're right. You're good. I'm not. I'll take your healing right now. And the wonderful thing is, Point number three, you can go to the next slide, please. Point number three is this. Because he stayed in the presence, allowed God to deal with what was not right, he got a new call. See, God was going to use him to be a mouthpiece to the nation. If you're going to be a mouthpiece to the nation, Isaiah, I better clean up your lips and your tongue first. I can't have you you know, saying the right things publicly than muttering behind people's backs about them. Every time God does a new work in your life, it's taking you to a new level of call and anointing. The fruit's always good. The results are great. There's always a reward for every sacrifice. There's always a gift for every giving. And... Every time there's a sacrifice in the altar, that's when God brings his fire on it. He puts your heart aflame. And Isaiah was willing to go out. And if you read verses 9 and beyond in that chapter, God said, I'm sending you a people. I'm giving you my message. And they're not going to listen. Now, you better have heard from God before you go out with that ministry. But in this case, God's righteousness required that they hear Not only for them, but for us. And that is amazing. Isaiah probably wasn't thinking of you and me when he was having a coal touched to his lips. But if he didn't put up with it, we wouldn't have the beautiful prophecies in Isaiah 53. We wouldn't have Isaiah 40, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We wouldn't have, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not? See, we wouldn't have Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord's on me because he's anointed me. Look at the revelation that man got. Scriptures we hang on to and quote now because he pressed into God to see him when those he loved let him down. 
He stuck around in the presence when it was revealed to him that he needed something fixed in his life. And then he heard God's voice and obeyed when he said, I'm giving you a commission. It's not always going to feel good, but I want to know, are you going to go out and say what I've said? Wow. Look at the results. Intergenerational fruit for centuries. Sometimes the lack of movement in our spiritual life or the lack of an answer to prayer is actually being caused by a lack of self-awareness. So if you're stuck, if it's not changing, here's a great prayer. You've got to be brave to pray this. I won't ask for hands on this one, but you've got to be brave. Lord, what do I need to know about myself that I don't know in order for you to answer this prayer? What do I still need to see or know about myself that you've been waiting a long time to tell me? That's subtext, the short version. What do I need to know that I don't already know in order for you to bring the answer to my prayer? I'll tell you, that works. When we arrived at Grimsby Pentecostal Church, and we, I was promoted from, well, no, upgraded from Toronto to Mississauga in 1982, where we lived. Then we had another upgrade to Grimsby. Just saying it like it is. No brag, just fact. It's lovely in Grimsby. That was supposed to be humorous. I'll keep moving on. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't land. But we lived in Grimsby, but the town has the name Grim in it. <laughs> the word Grim in the name of the town is what I meant to say. And when we got to Grimsby at that church in 1992, they had so much debt. We had so much month left at the end of the money <laughs> that it was not funny. And I went to the Lord, and the numbers I won't give you today, but we just, it was overwhelming. And they got locked into a mortgage at 12% and a uh, new building, and then a bunch of people left the church and all of this stuff. And I was the new pastor. And I came and I said, Lord, what happened here? Why are we not paying the bills? And the Lord showed me four things that we needed to do. And one of them was to start giving to the poor again. And there were some other things. And the Lord said, like, I can't bless the prayers because you're not in obedience. So we took care of those four things. Went to, had a board meeting. I listed out. They said, you know, Pastor, you're right. We can't give the poor. We, we, can't, we can't afford it. I said, ah, we can't afford not to. Where's your supply? And so in faith, we took care of those four things. They weren't all financial. Some of them were relational. You know what happened next? Within three weeks, I had gone to the bank manager and asked them to restructure our loan because it was, it was strangling us. And he laughed at me. He said, you have to pay this penalty and this and the rest. After we took care of those things, I stood on the one morning on a Tuesday morning with, with one person, we agreed, and we said, in the name of Jesus, we declare a breakthrough in the finances because we've done everything God told us. That afternoon, the bank manager called. Two in the afternoon, he goes, you know, I've been thinking, and I just wanted to say, yeah, you've been thinking. Big angels sitting on your shoulder going bang, bang, bang all day. I know what you've been thinking. <laughs> and he goes we could waive that $20,000 penalty. And I go, is that right? You've been thinking about this, have you? I said, okay, I'll say yes to that. And they restructured it, and within a few months, Holy Spirit began to move, and God began to turn the finances around, and it's never looked back, never looked back. We still attend the church. We're no longer the pastor. We still attend. The churches had been in the black and had, had more money every year ever since. And the church gives away way beyond 10% of their income to ministries in the kingdom. So there's no such thing as small obedience. There's no such thing as a little, little uh, obedience. Because every act of obedience bears fruit. And sometimes our prayers aren't being answered because we haven't been brave enough to say, Lord, I'm saying sometimes. 
There's other reasons why prayer answers delay, okay? I'm not blaming anyone here for the non-answer to your prayer. Sometimes. So it's always good to say, Lord, what do I need to know that I don't know already? And if that coal touches my tongue and it smarts, it's okay because what you reveal, you heal. You didn't do that to hurt me. You didn't do that to judge me. You did that to heal me. Hallelujah. Be brave enough to let the Holy Spirit go deeper to reveal what needs his touch. Every one of us in this room today needs a touch. Needs the Lord to touch us exactly where it is. Maybe it's to pour in oil. Maybe not a coal. Maybe it's to pour in oil to, to give us fresh drink of his presence. Even if it hurts, it's going to be good. We love you, Lord. We love you. What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway here from this message? Find a way to remind yourself that God works while, while you wait. Remind yourself. Maybe it's frid, fridge magnet time or sticky, sticky on the computer screen time. God works while I wait. Isaiah 64, verse 4. Number two Hear me now. Turn the waiting of inactivity into the waiting of preparation. Turn the waiting of inactivity into the waiting of preparation. Because God never takes away without giving something in its place. So use those times when you're not getting what you want, new job or something like that. Hey, you're going to be busy. Right now you're not. Use that time to press in. Use that time to redo your prayer life. Use that time to get to know him. Use that time to go into his word. Use that time to serve somebody. Use that time. Turn it into a time of preparation. And number three, I actually mentioned this already. Be brave in your prayers. Let him go deeper. Because when you let him go deeper, he's going to send you farther. And he's going to take your life and use it to do damage to the works of the enemy. I got to tell you, that's what I want to do with my life. I want the kingdom of the enemy. I want the kingdom of darkness to have suffered real damage by the time I'm done. Okay? In fact, I don't even want it to be able to go to the repair shop. I want it to be a write-off, but I don't know. That's up to the Lord. I don't know how much damage I can do. But I, I, want, I want the kingdom of God to be more accessible and I want the works of the enemy to be shut down because of obeying the call of God. Stand with me, please. Worship team, come back. We're done the message, but we're not done the ministry. So, to be bold, we do, we do a lot of hand-raising and arm-raising in church. And uh, I don't think we need to close our eyes for this one. But I'm going to ask you just to get a read because this is my first time looking at your faces while I'm talking like this and preaching. How many would say something hit me this morning about like I got this kind of hunger or I'm stirred up to, to have a fresh vision like Isaiah. Like I, I, I think I need this right now. If that's you, put up your hand. Don't, don't do it to make me happy. But you say, yeah, something really hit me this morning. It wouldn't be for everybody, but yeah. Okay, that's good. How many would say, I'm willing to be more brave in my prayers and let the Lord reveal who I am in his eyes? Because I am who he says I am, not who I think I am or who others tell me. Okay, I'm expecting some brave prayers. Now we're going to sing again. I, I, would, I would just love to do that, uh, the goodness of God song again. Okay, we're good on that. Do you know how awesome this team is here? Joshua, the worship team, and Melody, Julio, and Helen. This is the 10th time I've done an interim pastor position in, since 2009, and I've never had a team like this. Yeah. I meant this good, okay? In case, I meant this good. So now I'm going to ask you, we took out a pew just for you today. 
And if this keeps happening, we can take out another one. You never know. You never know what's going to happen here in the days ahead. But it wouldn't be a bad idea. It's 22 12. 10 minutes. You're still going to get out before noon. Okay. How about if you're one of those people that said, Yeah, I felt some hunger. I felt something happen, or I'm just feeling something. I don't know what it is. Don't walk away without sealing the deal. Don't go into the new car showroom, try it out, slam the door, picture yourself driving the car and walk away and nothing happens. Come and seal the deal with God because Jesus already paid for it and you can receive it. As I'm talking right now, come on forward if you just want to spend a few moments with the Lord and say, Lord, today I want a new start. I want to see you more clearly. I want to hear you better. And I am willing to pray brave prayers this year and let you do what you want to do. Love it. Come on forward. And if you come forward, come forward far enough that someone else can come behind you. We're not going to linger. We're not going to twist your arm. We're not going to promise riches. We're going to promise the riches of his presence from the power of his word. Let me tell you a secret. I know that I'm here for a reason. And I know that God's planning to visit this house with great power. And why not? Why not today? Hey, you had an awesome time last week. I heard of healings. I heard of great time around the altar. Maybe we'll start a new tradition. Look, Pastor Josh, I'm glad we took out at least one row. What do you think? Thank you, Jesus. If you're with someone you know that you came forward with, okay, uh, this isn't a way to get to know that person you've been wanting to date or something like that, okay? That's another time. But if you're with somebody you know, you came forward with, grab their hand right now, please. Or in the pews, grab the hand of someone you know. Let's pray agreement prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we come into agreement. We thank you in the word we heard that Jesus could do more when the people were in agreement. We don't want to be like that hometown of his that shut down his miracle working power just through their unbelief. We believe. We believe and we want to receive. We want to see you fresh, high and lifted up. Lord, we need to, we need the screen of our soul refreshed with the vision. I actually have a word that some of us are like, I thought my computer was working the other day and I'm working away, but the screen was stuck and I just needed to reboot. I needed to refresh the screen. And I think right here today, some of our souls were just kind of stuck. The picture on the screen is good, but it's not up to date. And God wants to give you a fresh vision of who he is and what he can do. Father, in the name of Jesus, refresh our screen. And we're going to sing of your goodness. And I ask as we sing of your goodness that your power would come upon us now. In Jesus' name. You can let go of those people's hands and just be with Jesus now. We're not going to take prayer requests today. We're just going to see Jesus. The, the service is dismissed. Feel free to go if you need to go. But we're going to spend a few minutes here five or ten minutes just letting Jesus do what he's going to do. Pastor Josh.